Hello, welcome to the Tech for Good podcast. We are very passionate about two things, technology and our world. In each pod, we will be interviewing some fascinating people, business leaders, but those with a special interest in solving the biggest issues facing humanity today. Think the environment. Think healthcare provision during a pandemic. Think global social injustice. If you want to know more about technology's immense potential to fix and transform, then you're in the right place. In this episode, I speak to Suzette Kent. Between 2018 and 2020, Suzette was federal CIO for the United States. In the interview, she shares fascinating insights into life as a technologist at the highest level of government. Suzette reveals her proudest accomplishments in the role and speaks with real candor around the challenges of driving digital transformation in the public sector. She also outlines why data and open data can be the foundations for change. But first, I ask Suzette what tech for good means to her. about technology um i strive <laughs> or hope that it's all for good but it, it really means that that we're using capabilities that we can create to improve lives you know welfare social well-being you know in in the case of um government you know protect homeland individual rights spur research you know exploration I get really excited when we discover things that we don't know because of the combination of you know, technology and data gathering. Um, and whether it's a government or a for-profit entity, using technology you know, in, a, in a way that creates a better world. And um, it particularly, especially in this time frame, love when we can use technology to make it a more inclusive world in, in ways that we can um, make sure that there's fair and equitable access for people, you know, in, in all different walks of life to, you know, whether it's, again, services of, you know, that, that they're entitled to or um, they want to participate in or products and services that are being sold, you know, by commercial entities. So that, that's a long-winded answer, and I hope you don't think it's Pollyanna, but it's the, it, that is the thing that excites me about you know, technology is, uh, you know, doing things better. Yeah. Do you think, Suzette, that with everything that we've been through over the last 18 months with the, with the pandemic, which I think has in some ways, especially in healthcare, obviously shone a light on the power of technology and, and how it can yeah. drive positive change. Do you, do you feel like the tech for good, I, I, I want to fall short of calling it a movement, but do you think tech for good as a concept is kind of accelerating because of the pandemic? Yeah, I Absolutely. Uh, think about how many things, right? Think think about the world if we would not have had, you know, technology to move things to online, to keep, you know, and, and that's goods and services, to keep connected to people through, you know, it, as many times as people complain about video meetings and things like that. Um, it's ways that we stay connected. We used technology to stay connected. Um, we used it to ask questions, to find out information that, you know, was coming, you know, really, really fast. And I, I joked with some folks, uh, you know, here on the States, I was telling the story about my mother who would never have used like online grocery services or anything like that. 
Um, and during the pandemic, she had to. And then she figured out she was delighted. She thought it was wonderful. And she's like, I don't know why I didn't do this before. And I, I think the, the, the pandemic not only accelerated it because it forced people to do things sometimes. When they came out on the other end, they realized they really liked it. And they liked the outcome. And, you know, I hope that actually was a big leapfrog, you know, into both um, adoption and acceptance of, you know, digital and mobile services, but also raising the bar on the expectations, whether it's a, a citizen or a consumer, um, you know, that that defined their experience. And now they're going to expect more. And, you know, it's up to all of us to continue to deliver more. We'll talk a little bit more about the future in a bit. Um, you said at the beginning, though, is that you, you hope that all technology application is ultimately for good. How, how determined have you been during your career to, to, see, to, to, sort of, to sort of live by that, really, and, and drive positive change with, with technology in, in the work that you've done? It's been at the center of, you know, I, I actually, you know, when, when someone asks you, like, what's a moniker? Sometimes I say business transformation because technology um, is a part but that's a, a small part. Um, understanding, you know, different outcomes and being able to, to bring together all the pieces to drive that, both, you know, the people redesigning business processes, whether it's, you know, data and technology. Um, I've always made that a center, whether it was my time in private sector, you know, as and I was focused on clients and customers, or as the, you know, US federal CIO, focusing on citizens. Um, I like to make processes work better. You know, digital platforms, broader access, automation, all things that we talked about. And the many of the hallmarks of my own career accomplishments have been doing things, have been to do things that haven't been done before and to leverage technologies in ways that solved problems, whether that was you know, in the banking days, electronic banking, using images um, instead of flying pieces of paper around, um, you doing things with digital signatures, delivering services on a mobile phone um, or web. And in government, you know, some of the same things. And one, um, one of the best experiences is spending time kind of with legal and ethics teams. That may not sound fun to some of your listeners, but really talking about what we can do and what we should do. And I, I think those are, you know, that's not the tech conversation, you know, pure and, uh, you know, kind of code development, but it's the good part of the conversation, you know, where, where we should really understand who we're serving for whatever purpose it is and, and what's the right thing to do. So it's always been at the center. Um, and, you know, I've been very, um, that, that's why it's still fun to me. And that's why it's exciting. And a bit more on your time as federal CIO. Obviously, that, that would have, um, that would give you an enormous opportunity to drive that, that tech for good agenda. And you mentioned their citizens at, at the center of it, rather than a business or a product. It's, it's people, right? And that, that yeah. is tech for good. You know, it, it was such an amazing honor to serve as the, the U.S. federal CIO. And I, and I have to say, um, a big part of that was that working with the CIOs across all the federal agencies, you know, we had the opportunity to, you know, create policies that made, you know, um, pathways for more accessible service. So 
big push, you know, on digital. That was some of the, again, those investments and things that we were doing before the pandemic hit really helped us with continuity of service and, and resiliency during the pandemic. Um, we made commitments to open data. Um, we made commitments to advancing the use of data for, for, per, for mission and for research through the first ever federal data strategy. And you know, this administration just continued that with the year two set of federal data strategies. Um, we did a lot of things to put, we put guideposts out for ethical use of AI. Um, we made investments in um, skills development in the workforce and we did a lot of things with agencies to put who they were serving kind of at the center of the way they delivered um, different types of, of, of services. And again, just this week, uh, the, the, the president signed an executive order focusing on, you know, customer experience and um, how we serve, you know, not just checking the box that we did, you know, the thing that the, the mission's supposed to do, but we do it well. And, so, you know, it was, um, those were some of the big hallmarks and there are places that we had accomplishments and it's great to see those continuing forward. Hi, I'm Daniel Brigham, editor of the Tech for Good magazine. I hope you're enjoying this pod. And if you want more, why not head over to techforgood.net for some amazing and thought-provoking stories. You can read about one company's mission to use digital technologies in the fight against HIV, or learn how social media can help refugees take control of their narratives. For those insights and more, read and subscribe at techforgood.net. Yes, some great accomplishments there, Suzette. You mentioned your career previously. You spent a lot of time in financial services in the private sector. When you were federal CIO, what challenges did you confront when, like, compared to your work in, in the private sector? How different was it, and how... Um, I guess was it was it more difficult to drive your kind of agenda around tech for good and and technology in general? Yeah, well, that, that that's a fun question, and um, you know, uh, patience has not always been my my biggest virtue. And you know, some of the things I'll start with, like some of the things that are similar between government and especially financial services, um, uh, a, a deep regard for privacy, importance of cybersecurity, commitment to delivering digital services. And quite interesting, you know, because so many of our financial services players are actually global companies, the vendors and technologies that are widely used and the vendors that serve that industry are very much the same ones that are in many governments because they can operate at scale with that level of security, um, particularly kind of in regulated industries and things like that. So, so some of the players were the same, but the processes, um, probably the thing that I had only seen from the outside and, you know, being in financial services, I'd worked with regulators and I, you know, worked with policy and, and implementing new law. And I, I understood that process. What I did not understand is procurement and the budget process. And, you know, especially being in the financial services industry where that's a highly precise, quick set of activities, I would not use those adjectives <laughs> talking about the government process. And it was probably one of the most frustrating things for me personally and the hardest learning curve is that, you know, 
budgets are built years in advance before you finish something and then you're speculating what you're going to finish and particularly with uh technology and being very agile and resilient that's our goal right but the money doesn't flow like that so so it's that part was really hard so we had to create some different tools like the technology modernization fund like working capital um, funds that agencies could use like public private partnerships um, that were that were different so that we would have the ability to to address things that were immediate because you know I'll use an example you know the payroll protection program that the SBA um, you know did during the pandemic that happened in a couple of weeks we, we couldn't have when we the budget for that operating year was created two years before right that you know it's, or that process started so we we could have never you know forecasted that um, those were you know that that was some of the you know big learnings and and the other thing um, I I, I um, am a passionate supporter of you know how our form of government but it's very interesting between sometimes who's who sets and influences priorities and who funds those priorities and those are different bodies you know in our our form of government so sometimes that can create points of conflict that are very different from the you know private sector when the ceo says go the company coalesces around something and they run at it um you know that that's not always quite as smooth in government and like i said it was a it was a big learning curve for me and i had to build some patience at some point. <laughs> it's interesting though like obviously you said there you took some small steps to try and address that challenge but do you think this is a big problem suzette do you think it's going to hold back public sector the way technology is changing digital transformation is so fast do you think that the problems that you you highlighted there are going to be bigger problems further down the line or, or do you think government and and public sector can change um, we have to change. We have to change. Think about cybersecurity. We have vulnerabilities and things that we have to address every single day. We don't have a crystal ball to clearly know, are we going to have 10 or 200 of those events? What type, you know, what am I going to need? So, so we are, we have to create mechanisms to match resource and funding scaling resources overall that you know people and you know and money and focus um based on the mission that we're serving and with the push to be more digital and deliver services you know in that manner that that necessitates you know that we can move quickly i one one of the um you know old metrics you know as i was kind of familiarizing myself with all the various laws you know going through book there, there was something that said um it had an update schedule and it had said you know software must be updated you know every xyz and i looked at that and that was so antiquated right i mean we we update and address enhancements almost on a daily basis so we we have to get to places where uh the funding ebbs and flows better match the actual demand for the sets of activities and there's there's lots of different ways to do that and um you know we we, we put a few in place but we got to keep asking the question just like any process how do we make that 
better and you know less burdensome right let's talk let's talk about data um in this context how important is is the use of data in in being a force for good I'm actually doing things now, you know, both I, I was a huge champion inside government was one of the main, you know, areas that I spent a lot of time. I'm still doing outside for government and, you know, big part of it, you know, volunteer. I know that's how uh, you and I uh, first met. Centering, centering on data lets us do a couple of things. As, as, as humans, it helps us address biases and keep, keep better, keep an open playing field. But from a, knowledge and research perspective it it it, it gives us a um just a, a better holistic picture from the concept of technology and automation it, it's it's the foundation you know for how we automate and that lets us get repetitive tasks out of the way it also lets us um understand the combination of more complex factors in different things and bring those into our business processes, our decision making, you know, things like that. I, I think about um, like things that we do with the weather now and um, we better understand the impacts, you know, at a, at a really granular level, we can communicate those, um, understand those, communicate those in ways that we keep people safe. Um, we can do that, you know, with with food. We can forward forecast structural damage. We can, you know, one of my favorite. Um, we did a couple of uh, kind of public, or we we publicly shared the results uh, projects with AI, where we were able to, you know, one of them was pretty easy. We were able to look at outdated regulations and kind of clean up um, a whole bunch of you know stuff in the health and human services area. So that it made it easier for providers, you know, to, to to work together. In another case, we were able to look at, you know, situations with veteran health and bring together different types of data that a person couldn't necessarily, you know, put together in, in one instance. So um, I, I think as we go forward, data becomes more important. And um, technology actually takes the second seat uh, because the technology we choose is about the problem we're solving and the data that's available for, you know, with which to solve it. Who says children can't change the world? Our Teenage Tech Stories podcast showcases the extraordinary work of young entrepreneurs on their way to becoming tomorrow's tech leaders. Listen now via the Tech for Good podcast stream or by visiting techforgood.net. And a big part of making the data available is is, is open data strategies, Susan, yes. as well. I mean, how far do you think we are on the journey towards where we need to be with, with that? Because, you know, open data, the idea of anyone having access to data sets that they need to, 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 to do tech for good or do things for good. Yeah, what, what are your thoughts there? Well, I, I think we're still early in the journey. And, and here, here's why I say that. And any of the data scientists or people in data science who are listening, you know, I hope they don't throw something at, you know, whatever device they're listening on. Um, we have a lot of knowledge and precision around how. We don't do it enough. 
And inside the government, we talked about how do we become a data culture? Um, I've talked about that with various businesses. It's the responsibility of business leaders to say, explain to me what data that was based on. You know, how did you, how, how did that happen? But we also um, need to advance from just the concept of, you know, rows and tables and statistical to data visualization um, to how we make data open and available in a way that still respects the rights of the individual. Um, and, and there's a lot of places where accommodate or, or understanding that and addressing that with technology still needs to be done. And, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll use that, you know, I, I uh, uh, spent some time with in, in on your side of the pond with the GDPR talking about kind of what that meant and how to implement it. In, in many places, we we don't have enough um, levers or call it capability just, you know, for a person, a citizen, a customer or whatever to have control of their own information. So so that's part kind of of the whole thing. So the, the more that we want to make things open, the more rigor we have to put around understanding and actioning what we need to protect. And, you know, I, I work with a particular data effort and I get really excited when I look at a single data set and see that it was used for 153 different things, right? And, and things I could have, you know, never thought of. You know, you look at the top of the list and you're like, yeah, 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 that makes sense. And then you look at some of the, the others and you're like, wow, that's an interesting connection. And that's, that, that's, um, that's kind of exciting how that influenced a perspective. Those are the, those are the places, you know, that, that we want to go, but, you know, we have to, um, move on that journey with the kind of technical precision of the data, but also the maturity in protection of rights and addressing biases, as well as just understanding how to use it. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's not just a technical problem. It's a, it's a, an ethical uh, um, situation as well. Yeah. Isn't it? So a yeah. huge thing, but huge potential as well. So is that alongside um, the better use of data, what, what other technologies and, and digital tools do you think will underpin public services in, in the future? You know, throw a couple out there, you know, cloud, obviously AI, things like that. What, what, what were the technologies that you were talking about in your time as federal CIO? What, what do you think are the, the key things moving forward? Yeah, well, you you know, you, you hit data, um, AI, cloud, and, and let me, cloud gives us um, scalable capacity. And as a service, things delivered, I'm going to just kind of put that in that category, things delivered as a service gives us different consumption models so that we can not only ebb and flow, you know, with volume, we, we have more flexibility in expanding and extending purpose. When I look at, and I'm just going to say automated technologies, RPA, AI, image recognition, voice recognition, true natural language processing, machine learning, um, high-end analytics, you know, keep on going, you know, up, it, it, and around into the high performance, some of the computational um, things, those are critically important because it, it you couple those with the, the kind of uh, 
information collection that kind of marries up to data, but the device proliferation that we have where I can listen, see, and, and, and bring all those things together. It's going to be, um, those are really important to help us better interpret the world that we're in, whether it's, you know, hard data or whether it's um, specific nuances of other things. Think about autonomous vehicles, right? And we're trying to use lots of different technologies, but we need wind, weather, road conditions, um, heat, you know, temperature, uh, all those types of things to be able to do something. Those those components are critically important. And I'll, and I'll throw out the one that I talked about is, I, I say visualization tools, and, and, I, and I mean um, digital, because people also, as we strive to um, deliver better citizen services, people take in information in different ways and ways that we can make things visual, whether it's, you know, an icon or, you know, a, um, a picture versus, you know, three screens of words. Those give us more forays to reach, you know, wider audiences, um, you know, and, and, and be more impactful. And then that I'll, double click on the last thing that we just talked about. I, I think as we do those, um, we, we have to ensure that we have ethics frameworks and we have um, at the table discussions about privacy and, you know, citizen expect, uh, understand, you know, citizen expectations and citizen rights um, or consumer, right. In, in the same way, I think on the consumer side and, and in the, private sector, we saw things sometimes go in a way that wasn't as good. And so every one of us in all countries have, you know, kind of consumer protection and protection agencies. Those evolved because there was a disconnect between the people using the service and the way the information was was served, right? So, so ways that we can use digital and technology tools to close that gap is going to be important because that is now the primary delivery channel for so many things. Brilliant stuff, Susa. Now, um, since you left government um, a few years ago, t t tell us tell us what you've been doing. I know you're running an advisory service, your own advisory service, and you're involved with a lot of technology companies <laughs> and different things. You've got a you've got a saying here in the UK: fingers in a lot of pies. You certainly got fingers in a lot of pies. <laughs> tell us a bit about what you're up to. <laughs> yeah, um, well, it, it's kind of funny. I um, it, and I, I you I hope you hear this in some of our conversation. I wanted to do a little bit of everything. <laughs> in a lot of the spaces that I'm really passionate about. And I, I, the things that we're talking about, I wanted to be, you know, either strategically or hands-on involved in, in some of these things. So, you know, I set up my own advisory service when I, I, I was very lucky and had so many opportunities, you know, when I exited government, but kind of being tied to, to one thing, um, was a little bit, you know, limiting and I wanted to do digital transformation and data and workforce. I wanted to stay, you know, um, very close and very deep in cybersecurity. I love financial services. I like, you know, I work with both state and local government and federal government and educational entities because, um, and then some alternative learning pathways because we, we can't, we can't create the technology workforce that we need for the future in just the traditional manner. Um, 
so, so I wanted to work across all those spaces. And so setting up my own set of advisory services lets me do that and work with some of those, you know, companies in, in different modes. For some, you know, I'm on their board and that's a much more, you know, strategic kind of regulated role. Um, others, I'm involved in product design and in some of the others, you know, I'm, you know, working with them on um, actually how to tailor products to certain markets. So uh, it, it's, it, it's a, I, I took a path where I could um, ha be lucky enough to work on the things that I love and not have to do the stuff I don't like as much. <laughs> well, you took a path that is split off into many, many different paths and you're walking down all of them. So I think that's a fair. Yeah. I want to ask you on a final point, are, are you are you optimistic about the, the future of, of the stuff we've talked about today? You know, because you, I thought you were very honest when you were talking about the challenges, especially in the public sector of driving digital transformation. But... We, we all know about the potential of, of data and technology. Are you optimistic that in the future we will see these tools and, and data being used in a much more sophisticated and ultimately in a way that is going to better serve people? Do, 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 are you optimistic about that? Ben, I'm definitely optimistic. I, I wouldn't do what I'm doing if I weren't optimistic. Um, but I do think we, we have to all be, you know, involved and, and we have to kind of raise our hand if we see something that, that doesn't look like it's quite good or, you know, in, in that direction. I also think the nature of our connected, highly digital world, it's a matter of survival. But I'm, I'm excited about the future and that's the reason I'm on the path that I'm on and the reason I had uh, I wanted to talk to you today. That was the Tech for Good podcast. Listen, subscribe and rate us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Stitcher.